You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Todd Be- here. Before the after the show discussion, we were talking about James Bond. Correct. Can Correct. You- and um, whether it should be a woman. No, Next. just about the options. Well, the the thing is, Daniel Craig stepped down from James Bond this week. It it was unknown whether he'd be, make the next film. We talked about it when we reviewed Spectre last week, week before. But now he's stepped down, so there's obviously room for a new Bond and maybe some changes or whatever. Uh, and we saw Gillian Anderson. Somebody had tweeted a photograph of her as Jane, Jane Bond <laughs> at the... Uh, and I said, I don't think it will be a woman because the Broccolis, who, who um, are in charge of Bond don't seem that progressive to me. <laughs> Even though Daniel Craig's Bond was... They tried at the beginning of it, Casino Royale, they tried to make it feel a bit different. By Spectre, it was basically just James Bond again, wasn't he? Just a misogynistic... Not fully, but... But he was, he was... He was a misogynistic. Yeah, he just I, I meets just, a woman, then he screws her, then he meets a woman, then he screws her. He's just very, like... I don't know, maybe that's just his character. That's not, like, that empty. doesn't equal misogyny, by the way. So anyone needs to clear that up, look it up. That's not misogyny. All right, then. A stud. <laughs> mm, I don't know about that. A user of women. Possibly. And doesn't seem like he really gives a shit about them, them aside from getting his underway and then moving on to the next one. It's like a game. Oh, correct. Uh, so if they put a woman in the role, I just I'm don't right. see them doing it. I'm all right with it, though. It'd yeah. It'd just be tough. It'd be tough to balance being tough and suave as a spy and not being a caricature of a woman who's now supposed to be in the role that a man used to be in because that's going to be on whoever's mind and whoever writes it or being too feminine and then people saying, well, there's no way she can kick everybody's ass and do all the shit because she's not a dude, which I don't 100% agree with. But I mean, perception is everything when you want to make a billion dollars per movie. Yeah, that's why I see. <laughs> so The next Bond just... Don't expect any surprises, I don't think. I think it'll be another similar type of guy. Are you predicting? Do you have a name? I, um... I'm going for... How about Chris Pine? No. Cassie, Casey Affleck. I like Casey no, Affleck. I'm going for, um, Michael ben, Fassbender. Ben Affleck? Come I think on. they might choose Michael. If Michael Fassbender accepts, I think he might be... Are you per- anti-American? Is that what you're saying? It's yeah. gotta be a British guy? I think it needs to be a Brit, yeah. And Fassbender's suave. He's got the look of... But he's getting old. He's got a good look to him. Like, I could see him being Yeah, a but bond. that means he's a carbon copy of all the other Bonds. And that's why what that... I, th- I think they will choose a carbon copy yeah. of all the other Bonds. Because I don't think they're very progressive. And I think, like you said, they need to make a billion dollars every time. And that's what's worked. So if you really, really try and change it too much... You might only get half a billion dollars, and that would suck. For <laughs> That'd be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't don't expect surprises. Uh, if I'll, if they do choose, I don't know Eddie Murphy or some something so far Where away. Where Eddie Murphy? He's old. Know, so I was thinking of. Um, Is that the only person of color you can imagine? That's Warwick. a person who's a little person. That's what I'm saying. A big surprise where you're like, holy shit. He's also different. old. You keep thinking of old men. They can't be our like. I mean, how, I know How about and, Tom Hiddleston? I don't know who that is. Oh, I do. And he's oldish. He's oldish. Loki. No, he's not that old. Uh, I'm Don't... thinking it needs to be somebody who's about 28 years old. How about James McAvoy? I like James McAvoy, but... He know. kind of fits. Kind of. But I don't think they're going to pick anything crazy. I think we're going to see um, a very standard white man of six foot... About six <laughs> British foot tall. British. Not, not necessarily <laughs> British, but... Scottish, British, Welsh. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, I love Bond. It is, if you go and watch them all, it is kind of dumb. <laughs> but it is a fun action kind of it thing. Is. And it is a long-running series that people love still. So, um, Sid Talk. Yes. This is Saturday, May the 21st. Like you're say, what's for dinner? I'm like, did I just miss the whole <laughs> rest of the show? Did we just skip ahead? And I'm, I'm fast forward here. It's Saturday, May the 21st. This is after the show number 428. I said the wrong number last week. I apologize. 
428 is the correct number for this I'm sure week. people are just hanging on that number like you would not believe. The movie we're looking at this week is The Finest Hours. It's a 2016 movie. Um, it was released, released right at the beginning of this year. It's out on Blu-ray this coming Tuesday, May the 24th. You can pick it up. It's PG-13 from our friends at Disney. And Sid Talk, give us the synopsis of this uh, new movie, The Finest Hours. The synopsis is, it is based on the true story of what is still considered the greatest Coast Guard rescue of the Coast Guard's history. So in 1951, an oil tanker split in half in a terrible storm, and a very small boat with four Coast Guardmen on it had to go out to try to do a rescue. It's highly dramatic. Uh, Yeah. It's one of those kind of movies. It's a... It true is one of your recommendations, I, but in a different, with a different story. Yeah, it's an action movie, but with a true story behind it. Yeah. So, uh, you can go first. What did you think of The Finest Hours? I bet you knew nothing about this, did you? Sure. Bet you didn't Don't even... let the fact that I'm yawning at a show... It's not an indication at all about my... I bet you career. never saw a trailer or Didn't poster... Didn't know what we were watching. Or anything. Until we sat down to watch it. I know you showed me, but I didn't pay attention. Um, I really enjoyed it. It is one of those that... It's formulaic... Yep. It has everything that a uh, this type of movie where you are, you meet everybody, then they are in peril, and you care about everybody. There's a love story. And someone has to solve the... I don't even think about that. Someone has to just solve the problem of getting everybody safely back. So it's... I mean, it's a very time-honored tradition for man versus nature in in literature and in stories and in old tales and that's what this is man versus nature like in the heart of the sea that we watched recently i know that one's a bit more i know it's not it's not a true story no but no it had a similar you know man versus the sea man you know against the elements um and this one the rescue in i'd never heard of this true story for, Mm -mm. for, for a start um, it is amazing, and also if you go and watch the extras on the Blu-ray, get some insight into the real story with some with the people who live in the real place, in, including what some of his relations, the daughter of the, the daughter, leader. and some of the people who knew. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always like a true story like that, and this one, um, I've ne- I didn't even see the trailers of this movie, so I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was a a, a Disney production. I thought it could be. Um, some Disney productions are a little bit melodramatic and yep. uh, aimed at families, whereas this isn't gruesome or anything, but it was intense, I thought. It's, it's a really intense film. I think the um, special effects of the storm and the boats are really good. Like, I mean, I was expecting, oh, maybe this isn't going to be as good as I expected, you know, like, because it's a... I've never heard of this movie. First off, it's not something I had talked about or hyped up or anything. So I was Why thinking, would you have any expectation? That's what I mean. I, I didn't have much, so I was thinking maybe this is a smaller movie. It doesn't feel like it when you're watching mm. it, and I don't. I don't know if it is or it is. It's exactly on par with *The Perfect Storm*, which is one of your recommendations. Exactly, 100% on par. Quality, special of, effects. The CG. I, for, I forgot about the CG when we saw some of the deleted scenes, and I realized, oh shit, that boat's not. Yeah, even the there. whole thing is. Yeah. I didn't think about that while I was watching the movie, so that that says something about the special effects. I never thought, oh, look at how green screen that is, uh, which you do sometimes on these, even on Ron Howard's *In the Heart of the Sea*. Yep. There was a lot of the time where you were like, oh, that's not very real. This I never thought about it. The performances um, kind of took me sucked me in like everybody mm-hmm. in this movie there's a lot of like actors I've never seen before who all do a, a good job I didn't recognise a lot of people and then there are actors who you know obviously the main people who um, I think did a really good job I was mostly impressed <laughs> you have to contemplate that yeah I was thinking who I was mainly impressed with before going on to the cast but Casey Affleck um, he really throws himself into shit he does like, like he's intense, I think. Even I could see him, like... There were scenes where I could see him mulling over some... Like, the real situation in his mind. Like So that's how he was getting to the... Um, Seems like it. You know, it, it just looked contemplated. Like, I... Because like, I was thinking, if I'm an actor doing a true story, 
and the people who are involved will possibly meet or have already met the real thing. Um, I It'd be all beyond me to make so spoiler this... Spoiler alert, if you think any of these people are still alive, that gives you some indication of how the story ends. <laughs> well... If you're hinting that any of them are still alive, and Casey uh, like could meet one of them. Spoiler alert. That might You might go into the story a yeah. little more informed than you need well, to Well, let's, spo- let's say spoilers. Yeah. As um, I just did. No, I mean, let's say actually say spoilers mm-hmm. for this for this next bit that I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> this, I didn't know how this was going to end. Hmm. It could have been either way, right? Of course. And, and be a real tragic thing or a real heroic thing. Um, because we didn't know the t- true story. No. Well, we knew it was a true story because it said it at the I beginning. I mean, we don't know the true story. Right. But um, they make you believe... There's a scene right near the end where mm-hmm. they try and like make you... Th- I actually thought, oh, shit. But after the fact, you realize that was just their abbreviated way of not having to do the special effects to go through that whole thing again. Yes, it was. <laughs> it was just like, oh, we can't do that whole... They had to cross a bar, like a sandbar, I'm assuming, that is between like where the land is and before they get out to sea. And it's like the roughest... So when we're going out to sea, we see them tackling it and going through the waves and the boat having to steer on this horrible storm. And when they're coming back, whoever does get to come back, spoiler alert again, um, there's this like, we're about to get there. There's a slow motion scene of some water splashing for about 10 seconds. It, it and then didn't it's look over. like severe. It, that <laughs> then scene, because it was in slow motion, I was like, here it is. This they're is done. where it tips over. They're done. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Most of them are going to die. Now, interestingly enough, um, some people die. But from the survivors, uh, the ones who get rescued, it's not a tragedy in that way. Because it, it, the, the, the thing about this movie is the, the Coast Guard boat is so small that they send out um, to go and rescue them. And there's so many... How many people? 32. 32. All crammed onto a boat that's made for 12 people at the most. Like, I mean, 12 people would be pushing it for this boat. So it's 32 people crammed onto this boat. And those 32 people survive? I don't know. I have to watch the movie. (laughs) I was going to say, there's actually 33. I gotta watch it so I know. So, would you say um, it's suitable for kids? Yes. Um, I mean, it is a Disney movie. And... Often, I'm sure parents sit down with kids to watch a Disney movie. I think it's really... It's a PG-13, uh, funnily enough. But it's not really for six-year-olds. I think it'd be way too intense. You know, the sea parts? I don't know. It depends on the six-year-old. It has some really good um, special effects, like I say. it's um, There are scenes of death. And the sound in this movie and the um, the way it's presented makes it feel really intense there's groaning metal and when the I could see you actually wincing when they were um, when the boat was heading towards the walls like the the bar yeah because you're just yeah. like I mean <laughs> like, that's like it's uh, like mother nature is going to kick your ass it's like, just it's literally just a wall like a brick wall in front of you of water moving a brick moving. wall that's yeah. moving that wants to kill you or doesn't care if it kills you it's just coming like yeah. that's it and um, you know, because then you're help and you're helpless. There's no. I said it's um even now, 21st century. Regardless of what kind of advances we've made, we still haven't. Con- there's no ship that can go out on the ocean and say a hundred percent that this ship unsinkable. Right. There's just no way. Like unless you've got a a dozen helicopters up above holding you up. Like even then, those helicopters could fall down. Like there's no way that we've conquered the sea yet. Like. I mean, they you said haven't. they said the Titanic Unless was unsinkable, ball, right? but we've all seen that movie. <laughs> Is that the proof that you needed? Spoilers. <laughs> um, We're ruining everything. That was the, that was the big claim for the Titanic, wasn't it? It's the the world's first unsinkable vessel. That was a bit of embarrassing for whoever designed that. Uh, <laughs> Again, men trying to be all big and shit. So uh, yeah, the Finding Star Wars is a really interesting. I I, I thought if I have any criticisms about it. The opening part is a little bit TV special, I felt. A little with, bit, with the, yeah. the romance. I agree. It just felt... I was like, oh, really? This isn't... Go- this is not going to amount to some big thing. It just feels small. It feels... 
too melodramatic, like because they they set up the romance between him and his future wife at the beginning, and it just came across very like a Hallmark know. movie. Yeah, like a yeah. Hallmark movie, and I was like, but it's nice. It is nice, and uh, that's but, why I think the whole of the movie is fine for families to watch because it's just nice. But that beginning part gave me the, an impression of the movie that I thought, oh, okay, I I, I understand what this is now. But then when it when that bit's finally over and it cuts to the ship, the big ship about to go down uh, with all the men on it, I was like, oh, this is not Hallmarky anymore. This is like real shit. Like this, <laughs> this I feel like I'm on the ship and they're all fucked. Like this is bad news. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a Hallmark movie. <laughs> or a Disney movie. Um, so yeah, it, is, it gets intense even though the first 15 minutes you might be like, oh, this is a bit melodramatic and cheap it feels like tv movie but it actually goes full-on hollywood special effect movie after that so um let's move on to the cast here uh what did you think of the cast chris pine plays bernie weber the hero of the piece still a split on chris pine i i don't know what the big massive appeal is i mean he's fine and there are moments of He's totally in it, and he he's he's really trying to capture a personality of a person. You know, he obviously could speak to the family of this man um, and find out what kind of man he was throughout his life. You know, and he's you can see moments where he's actually conscious of that, like a he's not a loud man, he's not outspoken, he's he likes to follow the rules, he's maybe not the most best leader kind of person he's not strong-headed or anything you can feel him consciously doing that and then there are times when i'm just charmed and he's fine but i'm still my jury is still out he's fine that's the best i can do. he's never blown me away in any movie star trek i can take him or leave him what was the movie where he was like a spy mm. was it a mission impossible no. Remember. No, it wasn't Mission Impossible. It was um Forgettable. It was not Jack Reacher either, was it? It was uh Is a spy? Yeah, it was a whole it was a big like Mission Impossible movie. Um <laughs> and he was in he and um uh the bad guy was Kenneth Branagh. Mm. And it, and they were in that big and he was hacking into that computer and God. I thought that was Mission Impossible. That's what I'm saying. Why, why, why was Chris Pine the star of that then and not... Um, Maybe it wasn't. That's what I mean. <laughs> Ghost... It wasn't Ghost Protocol. Ah. Uh, no, it wasn't that. Because uh, uh. that was... That was... Um, Jack... It wasn't Jack Reacher because that's no. Tom Cruise. Yeah. It was another one. And he, he was a big spy guy. And... Uh, wow. Right, we're going to look it up and make, <laughs> make, make this podcast last a little bit longer. Cause I'm Just not, keep I'm talking. Not, you don't have to wait for me. I'm not resting until I know what, who it is. Oh, what it is. How do you spell his name? Chris Pine. C-H-R-I-S Pine. I tried that. Hmm. Keep talking. All right, so moving on to uh, Casey Affleck, who plays Ray Sibbett. Love, love Casey Affleck. I wasn't sure a lot years ago about him. No, I've always liked it. I Jerry wasn't sure. is a now, film you should watch. It's, he's just... He just draws me in. Ever since um, was a God Baby Gone, yeah, I just was awesome like, too. oh god, yeah. Uh, he's in a movie called Jerry with his brother. Uh, if you don't know his brother, Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really awesome movie. You should see that one. You you liked Jerry, right? It's a um... Into the Woods is when he was just lame. Chris Pine. Oh, he was terrible. Oh, terrible. Well, I mean, he kind of fit that lame Ugh. character in that. The Prince. Oh, no. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. But he sang all right. Jack Ryan. Jack Shadow Ryan. Recruit. See, that's why that I thought Ghost Protocol. It sounds the same, doesn't it? Um, no. <laughs> but it's it's the same type of movie. They all blur together, right? It's a spy movie. Yeah, it wasn't that good. Um, horrible Bosses too. Also kind of lame. He was. He's he just was, supposed to be weird yeah. and silly, wasn't he? Um, okay. Yeah. On to Casey Affleck. I don't think there's anything that Chris Pine has that I have ever gone, wow amazing performance he's just functional right even this it's not amazing so yeah Casey Affleck is a, he was the what impressed me the most about this whole movie Casey Affleck actually some people don't like him because they say he mumbles and he, he does a Marlon Brando impression all the time I disagree with that but yeah he, he's got a style about him that's often I think he was trying to channel the guy from Jaws this time a couple times thought that was kind of funny yeah I also sort of the know it all expert 
but understated kind of like, okay. I liked the... I can save you all, but it's a pain in my ass. I like the character he plays because he's this guy. The ship splits in two. So the guy who's in charge of the ship has gone. He's in the bit that... You mean the captain? Yeah, he's in the other bit of the ship. <laughs> so Casey Affleck's character is head engineer. He's like the guy who sits in the... Um, what do you call it? The Where the engines are. He's that guy in charge of that. And he reluctantly, he's not really a, a leader kind of guy, has to lead these men. And I like that dynamic because at first he's totally unsure of himself. He doesn't even know if when he talks to them all, they're not going to like throw him overboard like and like just think he's an idiot. Like, In fact, most people have a really bad opinion of him, right? They think he's the guy who just sits down below. I don't know, only one person said that, but you you The other guys followed that, right? along with it. When he said a it, all the, other, all the other guys are... So, kind of, yeah. So what I mean is he they have that opinion of him. He's the guy who doesn't have to do anything much. He just sits down there and does his hides down there, as they say. He, he's a guy who doesn't have a wife. So uh, the well, we all, they only said that, but then he said, I have a life just like you do. I just don't talk I know, about it. I know, and that's the part where he came yeah. out of his, you know, he had to step up. There was a moment where he had to step up and say to these other guys, look, if we don't like each other, we don't like each other, but we've got to do something here. He comes up with a plan to put this mobile... I don't know, you make it sound like he gave some sort of rousing speech, but he never did. He never said anything, any big speech or anything other than chopping the thing. Where he told them <laughs> that it. he was going to make a tiller. Yeah. Um, where he was peeling the egg. He was just saying it, though. I think, I'm saying, that was his rousing speech, but because he's a kind of re reclusive, more, you know, pinned down kind of guy... It felt like a moment for for me for him as as a character because I think he as a man he's like unsure. I don't even know if anybody's going to do what I say. Like they they don't. I don't think they like me. Like it's or it might not I, work. I like that he wasn't a hero. Like you know, yeah. like this hero guy. So, and that kind of fits with Casey Affleck for me. I think those are the characters he plays best. Uh, ben Foster plays Richard Liv Livesey. What did you think of him? Which one was he? He's the guy who sits next to um, Chris Pine during the entire mission on the boat, on the little boat. Right. He's fine. I mean, he just he's being, from the mechanic. He's just being a jerk half the time to this guy who's the other guy, not Casey Affleck, but the other guy, because the other guy, Pines, Pine, Chris Pine, no S. His character, a year before this, there was an incident and he wasn't able to save some men out on a boat. And so now everybody in the town has a certain kind of, like... Or the men who work for the Coast Guard have a certain kind of like, uh, him. People... He's a loser. He's not going to ever do anything. And he keeps... Because he keeps repeating. It's orders. That's, you know, that's regulation. And they all hate him for that. Because whatever that is, is probably what caused whatever happened before. So this guy's just the guy of... He's the one who's telling you all this. Like, we all think very lowly of you, but it's my job. I'll do what you say. I actually like Ben Foster. You don't. We don't see him in a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, the mechanic, I thought he was really good in, actually. And I said to you, I get him mixed up with Ryan Gosling a lot, but <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I thought he was Ryan Gosling's brother at first, so I looked him up. But um, in this, he's he's good, but I don't think he's given a lot to work with. He's not a main character, really. I mean, no. He's, um, and then I put down Eric Banner, or as Eric Banana, as I, as I always call him, yeah. as Daniel Cuff. <laughs> now, he plays like the... What do you call that? What is that guy? The commander? The captain? He's the commander guy at that Coast Guard post. And again, the character of... The character he plays, like Casey Affleck, is kind of unsure of himself. Yeah. And he's everybody not, else is unsure of him. Yep, because he's not from there. He's you new. Get, you're telegraphed very quickly. He's from out of town. He has an accent, like a southern accent. So everybody's not too sure. And ultimately, he gives orders not everybody's sure about. But our guy, Chris Pine... Will follow orders no matter what. So and that's the it's kind of an interesting combination. That, yeah. Even though it seems like Chris Pine's being sent to his death by these orders, these orders don't seem. In fact, most people, all the other people say, you can't do that. You've got to stop. You can't go out into that water. You'll die. But Chris Pine's just—is he—is it heroic or stupid? It's not either one of those. It's he's following orders, and now so, inside he's got something to prove. You know, the commander guy has something to prove to everybody by making a decision and sticking to it. And the Chris Pine guy has something to prove to everybody because he 
you know, he's going to always feel responsible for whatever happened before. And now he's just going to try to maybe out, outdo that thing by doing something good, you know? Yeah, Eric Banner's pretty good, actually. Um, he's, again, if you count... He's all right. If you total the whole movie up, I bet he's in less than five minutes. Yeah, it's not much. Um, and then, finally, I put down Holiday Granger. She plays Miriam Webber, who's the love interest. I would say his wife, but not his wife yet. <laughs> um, but Chris Pines. And she... Um, I liked her a lot because there's a... Sep- While this is all going on in the water, there is a separate part going on that is this, this lady, Mir- Miriam's story. And you know, it's 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 to show. It's the it's the main it's a two dimensional story all the way around. So hers is very two dimensional. She's yeah. the girlfriend of this guy that maybe people in the town aren't that fond of. We know somebody's died because of maybe decisions he made or how he did his job. So now she's going to become a wife of one of these coast guard men, and she's not at any clue what that means. Mm-mm. So this whole event shows her the town rallies when they all know there's a boat out there. And men may not come back. And now she gets to see this side of it where there are wives whose husbands have died. And they're bringing food to the church. And they're all getting gathered up just in case because they've lived it so many times. This is her side of the story where she was all brave and like she was just in love with him. But now she's like, oh, I'm taking on. But it's so two-dimensional. You have to add that to it. So that's the only kind of... We'll go back to Hallmark again when we get to that portion. I really liked the um, part where she'd met up with the other woman and she put her hands on her shoulders. I thought that yeah. was a really, really touching kind of... Yeah. Because, you know, these people have lost people due to this job. And yet they... She, still She's part on. of the culture yeah. of it, yeah. yeah. So, um, I like... that's still a thing. In, what? like, coastal places where people go out fishing every day and... Yeah. I mean, if that's still a huge part of it. Because most of that's run by huge corporations now. Most of it. There are small fishermen, obviously. But, like, is there still this thing where everybody knows that a boat with 16 men on it have gone out. And we're all just going to hold our breath and hope nothing. We're going to watch the weather and gather at the bar just in case. Because perfect storm again. It's culturally part of the whole thing. It's like, we hear there's a storm. Our men may not come back. Men slash women nowadays, I'm sure. But is that still as big Actually, a Actually, that, that, that's a point. Um, men slash women, when you say that. On the extras where it shows you the real co- today's Coast Guard, the first shot is of a woman yeah. stood on the back of the ship. I was like, because I was thinking, was no women members of the Coast Guard back then? It didn't seem like it. I think we were still in the mind yeah. of like women are not tough enough to do it. Yeah. Um, so this is directed by uh, Craig Gillespie. And you might not know the name, but you probably have seen some of these movies. He did Lars and the Real Girl, which is an exceptional movie starring um, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah. Not, not Ben Foster. Um, he also did Mr. Woodcock, which was a comedy about... Uh, Billy Bob Thornton is a basketball coach in a high school. It's really funny. I actually like it, but it's probably because I like Billy Bob Thornton. Yes. He did the remake of Fright Night starring... Um, they did a remake of Fright Night four or five years ago. Okay. Uh, with True Detective Guy as the lead guy. I always forget his name. The new, the, the second season of True Detective. No, the second season. That mm. guy with the muster. Mm. Phone booth. That guy. Colin Colin Farrell. Farrell, yeah. So they did that. And they also did a movie we reviewed recently called Million Dollar Arm, which was John Hamm. That was the, good. Uh, baseball, yeah, really good. So this Craig Gillespie guy, um, he's done quite... If you think of those movies that he's done that I've just named, they're very varied and very different. Lars and the Real Girl, his first film, is very different to a... Yeah. A Billy Bob Thornton wacky comedy, you know? Yeah. And Fright Night is a horror movie. Million Dollar Arms, a, another true story. And this, this kind of fits alongside that. Um, but I'm quite impressed with this guy. Because Lars and the Real Girl, if you watch that, is a very interesting movie. It's just about people, really. It is. Yeah. Um, a Million Dollar Arm was a really good mo- good Disney movie. A really interesting story. True story. 
that was told well. And I think this one fits alongside that. I think they've got a good director here who could kind of do anything. Like, it's these kind of movies, these true story Disney movies that have got a certain budget and a certain look about them. Or he could go and do a movie like Lars and the Real Girl, which is not. It's like a small independent movie that's probably not got much money behind it. So I liked what he did. Also, this movie's huge, isn't it? It, The special effects, the direction of it. You know, I really liked that part where... In the old days here, on the ship, where you had to yell the the um, coordinates. Yeah. So, like, one person yells it to another person, yells it to another person. And I was thinking, what? So much could go wrong. Oh, God, yeah. I was thinking they're going to get a degree wrong yeah. or a number wrong or something. But... Yeah, and he showed how that works by, like, a camera floating down the ship to the bottom, like, from the top to the bottom. And it's like Chinese whispers. I kept thinking, one person gets it wrong, the next person, like, re- and then eventually you get yeah. to the bottom and it's completely wrong. But um, I like the direction of this guy. What did you think? Do you think he's a... I mean, it's not something where you can put a stamp on this is that you guy. You can't. And the thing about the two-dimensionality, the hallmark elements mixed with the big action, it's, you know, he needs to balance out or get a little edge to the... To his storytelling. I think Million Dollar Arm also had a bit of a hallmarky type Disney. Like, it did, but it had a little more grit, yeah. a little bit more. But it still bit. has that kind of movie of the week kind of inspirational. Yeah. It's hard to pinpoint what that is. It's something Disney do, and when it's it, appealing to most people, and when it's on the Disney Channel, it fits perfectly. Yeah. Like it, it, you it know, can always be on a TV. It can yeah. be on TV without any editing. Yeah, this could. There's too. no no bleeping no. No bitch you have to cut out for no. violence or anything. It could definitely be you and your kids sitting down with a bowl of popcorn on a Sunday night. And you're like, <gasps> and you, you shudder at the waves just like I did. And you pull the blanket up when you don't know if somebody's going to make it. And it's a true story. You'll and you cry. Go, oh, she's so brave. And oh, that's, uh, you know. Yeah. And then you all look it up on the internet later and see about the true story. I mean, I get it. I get it. Totally. And I'm not opposed to it either. I mean, I like a gritty film like The Witch that we watched the other week. <laughs> and then again, I like a nice true story like this that maybe isn't as gritty. Well, it isn't. It's it's kind of um, Hollywoody. Yeah. But still, I get to know that story. I get to... I'll never forget that story now. I think it's a story that needs telling. No, not many people know about that. But it's the most famous Coast Guard incident they've ever had. Like A lot of people do know about it, but it's also probably quite regional. Yeah, I think so too. If you live on a coast where there's a Coast Guard, particularly yeah. Northeast America. But um, it's a story that's worth, it's worth everybody knowing. Because it is a heroic story of real people who save lives. A lot of lives in this case. Oh yeah. So, it's uh, a bon- big ocean. Yeah, it is. So bonus features, um, there is Against All Odds, the Bernie Webber story, which was really good, like mm-hmm. a, 20 minutes. They go to the place where he lived. He, okay. he died. Uh, he didn't die he because of this. He was an old man. This. Yeah, he died as an old man. Spoiler. In, uh, uh, 1990, I think. 2009. 2009. I knew there was a nine. So oh, he, he, he died actually very pretty recently. But the daughter, his daughter... And other people who knew about this incident, saw the incident on the night from the town, all talk about it. And I really like that. I always want something like that. When it's a true story. I mean, it's not super, it's not really that involved. No, but I mean, it's just, I like to see the real people. And they do show you photographs of the real people at the end of the movie. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I always like that. So this documentary, well, 20 minutes, it's good. The rest of the things on the (laughs) Blu-ray were slightly disappointing, if to be honest. Because they're just... There's one called Brotherhood. There's one called Two Crews. And there's one called What Is Your Finest Hour. They're just promotional things. They last a couple of minutes each. And then there's deleted scenes. There's two of them. One of them's like pre-vis kind of thing. Yeah. And the other one's like... them. They row out on the boat. A smaller boat to get to the other boat that they're going on. And there's a story that's told in between. That's cut out of the movie. It's good. It's a good story. I don't understand why it was cut, to be honest. But, um, you know, it's a deleted scene. Uh, And that's it. There's no commentary. I would have liked a commentary on this movie, uh, talking about the real events, you know? Definitely. Well, there isn't one, so... Well, wouldn't the commentary talk about the movie? You mean... uh, Yeah, well, sometimes in a movie like this, a true movie, they'll have the director, and then they'll also have somebody who's an expert on this thing. Yeah, Maybe somebody who was there or somebody who was 
from the Coast Guard who tells you about it. That's usually a good thing. But Sometimes, though, that can be a, an illusion buster because the real a real engineer on a real ship, while you're watching a scene where that ship's air intake valves are getting filled up or that ship's thing where they're putting the, th- the beam through the thing to do the steering, a real engineer person might go, uh, yeah, that's like 100% impossible. And that's so, what I like. I want yeah, them- but that busts the illusion that you have going on with believing your little bubble of fiction there. Even though it's based on a true story, you know, somebody's telling you, nah, that's not really how it happened. So in conclusion, what do you? what's your overall on this one? I enjoyed it. Got my heart going. It's well made. It makes you realize, you know, it's a... It's kind of... We're still an old... I mean, in a thousand years from now, will we have mastered the ma- the ocean? No. I don't know. I'm saying because it's been thousands of years so far since we've been trying to. I right? don't think we'll ever master nature. Like hur- hurricanes, tornadoes. It's always going to wipe killers isn't it (laughs) and if we do it if we try to control it to the point of being able to control it then we screw it up yeah yeah i don't think that's the thing we won't master it'll always kill us and it will always (laughs) throw a spanner in the works of the humans won't it i know though thousand years is a long time to learn you can build like a nice cool town and then a tornado can come and just kill it like just randomly out of nowhere just you know we, we can we have the weather tracking and all that, and we can say, oh, in three days a tornado might come, but still... No, they can't t- say that. But whatever they That's can predict, impossible. they'll still, still, in five minutes, a tornado will just show up randomly, right? So we can never... We have to build it so that every town is on a platform that can be lowered into the ground with, and put a, uh, uh, like a... Like a pool, where they have the thing that slides over a pool. Like a pool cover. <laughs> that ain't gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, but that would solve the tornado problem, right? Problem solved. Yeah, so, yeah, like the whole town's going into the basement. Yes, instead of <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I actually enjoyed this movie too. Like I say, the first ten minutes, I was like, oh, this is made-for-TV movie special of the week. But then, as soon as it got to the boats, I was like, okay, no, it's a bit, it's bigger than that. It's not cheaped out on. Yeah, no. Uh, which I did feel at the beginning it was going to be, but it wasn't. Uh, and I think it was touching... When I thought of the real people, which is... They show you the photographs at the end of the real people. That really hammers it home that, okay, this They dealt with this, yeah. yeah. Um, so, if you want a nice true story that um, doesn't turn out all bad, but there is some... I mean, know, that's one thing. Parents don't like to watch a movie with their kids where everybody where dies in the end. Bad, so, yeah. there is a spoiler alert, but at least you know. Yeah, so uh, thanks to Disney for the Blu-ray. If you want to enter a contest, we got a new one this week. You can win a copy of... Uh, what is that film called? It's called <laughs> Love Finds You in Valentine. And you can uh, you can win a copy on DVD. Uh, just go to ascoli.com and enter the contest. Really easy. Next week's Blu-ray review will be Triple Nine. We're having a look at that next week. So uh, are you, in- are you uh, excited for Triple Nine? No clue. You don't know what it is, do you? Do not. That's good. So movie recommendations based on the finest hours, I am going with the the pretty obvious ones. Titanic. I have got a very good big love for Titanic. I still think it is the best. I mean, yes, it's a romantic fiction, um, Hollywoody treatment of a Titanic. But look aside from that, and the actual sinking of the ship on film, I think it is fantastic. It's awesome to watch. It's becoming dated. I think you need to open your eyes a little bit. Well, we watched compared it. to a lot of things that we. I can't still see think. Now. I still think of what they did there, and it was many years ago. Nineteen ninety nine, wasn't it? Oh no, nineteen ninety six. And it's still so. Yes, you can. When the bodies are fall, they do look like CG people, but the actual ship going down. I think it's one of the best ships going down put on film. So that's why I like Titanic. Also, it's uh, got Kate and Leo. Who doesn't love that? A lot lot of people. And my other one is Perfect Storm, which is very different to Titanic. And what that one does for me is it hammers home how nature is just going to fuck you and there's no hope. (laughs) Because it's really unhopeful, that film. There's no hope to it. Like, it feels... We do... This is doomed. And spoilers, it is doomed. (laughs) (laughs) It isn't uh, The Finest Hours. It's very grim. So that's what I like about it. It's ballsy and grim. It's not a true thing. 
the perfect yeah. star. It is a true thing, isn't it? Based on the book. And grim. Very different to this. It's not a hopeful movie. It's a nature is here and you are fucked. <laughs> So, You're the one dropping the F word like crazy today. I'm so feeling good is. about that. Mine are, in going with my uh, thing for 2016, I'm going to give you the list of all the movies I've ever seen that I'm trying to be keep track of, even though I might miss a few now and then. And I am currently in the A's still. So today, because <laughs> they're in alphabetical order, of course, on my spreadsheet. So we've got Angel Heart, which I'm sure you've seen. Yes. Yeah, it was all right. Of its time. My it's bad. good, but I bet, really I bet it's not as good now. No, 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 no. Anger management, not good. Animal House, a classic. Anna, which was really good. You might, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh, Annabelle, not good, but you liked it. Annapolis was all right. That's um, James Franco, isn't it? Annapolis. I think so. Yes. Yeah, it was good. I'm trying to picture him, but yes. Um, Annie, which we all, of course, love Annie. Yeah. And Annie Hall. So Anna, Annabelle, Annapolis, Annie, and Annie. I don't Hall. think I. You know what? I don't think I've seen Annie Hall. I know it's like. Um, I think in people back in the day, I was in college, and it was the late '80s, early '90s, and I was probably more impressionable than I am now. And it seemed like the thing to do to find it cool. I try and avoid Woody Allen movies. And now I look back and I think <laughs> they're just so pretentious. Yeah, really. That yes, there's some observational stuff in there that's funny and kind of charming and witty, but the over into intel I can't even say the word over intellectual side intellectual <laughs> intellectual side that's Intell- what it is it's killing intellectualism over intellectualizing everything overthinking everything over emotional attachments to everything and this self deprecating bullshit now I would find it just. Not funny. I've never seen it, but I know a lot of people who I know say, "Oh, wow, it's amazing! You should see it." But yeah, but they're probably brainwashed still. If yeah. they're adults, they haven't grown out of it. That's what I often think about because I have sat down and watched Woody Allen films, and always have been like, "There's something about Woody Allen that doesn't sit right with me. <laughs> it's just not my thing." So, um, that's your recommendation. That's it. So, games and a scully stuff. I played a couple of games this week. The first one I'll talk about is Doom. And you're like, why are you playing Doom? That's the game from 1993. But no, there's a new Doom. They've named it Doom. They haven't put a number on it. So now it makes it difficult when you say I'm playing Doom. You could be playing one of two games because they both got the same title. So it's a re not a remake or a remaster or anything. It's just Doom. A new a new Doom. And if you remember Doom, it was one of the first first person shooters of all time. Actually invented. Wolfenstein and Doom from ID Software, they came up with first-person shooters. They didn't What's a first-person shooter for all those of us who don't you're care about a, video games? It's a first-person view, so you can't see who you're playing. It's you. who You know, it could be you. You are the first person that is from your point of view. So you see a gun on the screen. and Because you, you're holding your gun in front of you. Right. And you don't see a person, like Uncharted. So it's you, you are living through this character, roaming through the world, killing everything. And Doom, the original Doom from 93 or earlier, was just that because computers were very basic and 3D graphics hadn't been invented yet. So it was quasi-3D. There wasn't much of a story. You were a, you were a marine, space marine. Uh, demons from hell have invaded your base on Mars and you shoot them. And it was basically like a maze... Which it was a the the layout of the level was like a big maze. There was doors to open. You had to find a key card to open a door. Then you should go through the door and shoot some demons, and then a thing will open, and it all kind of. And back then, it was like blew it blew your mind because it was like whoa, you can actually everything was flat up to that point. Everything was top down or side scrolling, Pac-Man. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, things you're looked, in it. Yeah, it felt real. Even though when you go back and look at it, you'll be like, how could you think that felt real? But the new Doom is basically that game. I mean, it's not the levels of that game. It's a new game. But they took what is charming about that game. Fast movement of your character. First person shooters nowadays, your character doesn't move particularly fast. You either walk or you kind of jog. Doom guy runs around at like 
you know, it feels like 20 miles an hour. It doesn't feel like you're walking. It feels like you're floating around. He can jump really high. Um, you don't have to reload your gun because that wasn't a mechanic back then. Back then in the day. Why would you reload your gun? You just have as many rockets as you want and just keep shooting. Can you die? Yeah, you can die. A, a lot. You will die a lot. It's quite difficult, Doom. That was one of the things about it. And the new one's no exception. What's cool about the new one, though, is all those enemies that you love from original Doom are all in this game, but 3D versions of, you know, super-duper 2016 versions of them. But you'll recognise them all. There was a famous um, enemy from the original Doom, which was basically a eyeball with a mouth. <laughs> like a circle with an eyeball and a mouth. Because very rudimentary back then. That just came at you horribly like it was this demon that came and it took loads of shots to kill it so it was scary whenever you saw one in this game they have made that thing and it it shits you up like because you know if you're a doom fan oh when you see one of them it's going to be hard to kill and i'm telling you in this game it's hard to kill and it looks insane there's blood dripping out of it it's way more you know yeah graphic than it used to be it's a demon from hell yeah, and all the demons from hell in this game just look amazing. They've got these like animation that's really cool. They run up walls. Like you think, oh, I've got my, ha- I've got a handle on this room. There's five demons in this room, and they're all just stood there. I'll probably just shoot at them. And then next thing you know, they all run up the walls and start throwing fireballs down at you. So they've got like weird attack patterns that you don't expect. Uh, there's not really much of a story to this game. It is refreshing in in a way. I think it's like, hey, there's not this, you know. I've played Call of Duty and all that kind of stuff where the story gets more and more complicated every single time you play them. Every year there's a more complicated story. This just strips all that back and says, just go in and then shoot stuff. Demons from Hell? What would you do if Demons from Hell come? You would try and (laughs) defeat them. And this one guy has to defeat the whole thing. Uh, It has a multiplayer mode, which isn't quite as good as the the story mode. But it's still functional in a way... um, like I said to you yesterday, I was playing it, and you don't have to reload, and if you get a rocket launcher, it's just got infinite rockets in it, you just keep shooting them. I like that, because in all modern games nowadays, you get the rocket launcher, it's awesome, it has four shells in it, and that's it. You know, you've got to make them count. Nothing, you don't have to make anything count in this game, you've got as much as you want <laughs> of everything, and you just go after stuff. There's a cool mode in the multiplayer too, which they've never done before, I, I think this is a cool twist on the multiplayer. There's a rune, a, a demonic rune that appears randomly in the level, just at any time. And it'll say, a rune has appeared. And then everybody goes running for the rune, and the person who gets the rune turns into a big demon monster that can pick marines up, rip their heads off, throw them at the walls. It's evil, like this big, it's, it's uh, the, Baroness of, the Baroness of Hell or something. And it's way bigger than everything else, so you're just looking down on people and scooping them up. And you be that for like a minute. And when you actually get that and you're lucky enough to get it, you just feel like you're ultimate, you know, the devil. You're the ultimate. <laughs> you can just kill everything. So that's cool. And uh, the third thing this game has is something called Snap Map. And what that is, it's if you think about Little Big Planet where you can create your own levels, it's that but for Doom. And I went in there and played a few levels that people have created. And it's not just people creating Doom levels. There was one level somebody had created where they had... Oh, one guy had uh, recreated the original Doom. But, you know, the level design of the original Doom, and you could just play it. Another guy had done this memory test game, which was really cool. You step into it, and it says, uh, Memorize this room. And you look around the room, and there's like four ammo boxes in the corner, and there's a demon in the second corner. You walk into the next room, and written on the wall, it says... How many uh, ammo oh, boxes were right. in the last room? And you, and there's two doors. One says four, and one says more than four. You pick the right one, and you progress. So people have really got yeah. an imagination, and they've managed to make levels here in this game. And they're going to add, apparently, down the line, different tile sets. It's really easy to make a level. It's like when you do SimCity or whatever, like clipping things together and just... You want a monster in this room? Add the monster. What do you want him to do? Shoot or just stand in the corner? You, you just tell him what to do and he'll do it. So anybody can make a Doom level. So 
all these levels are going to appear on this thing and you'll be able to just play as many as you want. And uh, what's cool about the levels that people make, you can play them co-op with other people. So they make hard mode where like you go in and you have to fight tons and tons of monsters. You can take three of your friends in and play it. So that's Doom. I think it is an absolute success, especially for the single player story mode. It's so fun if you want to shoot demons from hell. And you also, it's got a melee move now where you can just actually uh, rip demons from hell, um, rip their heads apart and stuff with your hands. It's really gruesome. Uh, so that's that. Doom. It's out now. The other game I've been playing this week is Uncharted 4. I mentioned it last week and I've actually finished it now. I don't want to spoil this game at all. Please don't. Because it is an exceptional game made by Naughty Dog. Um, the guy who made Last of Us for Naughty Dog, the last game they did, moved on to Uncharted. They, In fact, he, was like, he wasn't like a director at Naughty Dog. And when he, they gave him the job to direct The Last of Us, he did such a good job of it, they moved him on to the main Uncharted, which is their biggest property. And what he's done with this game, Uncharted 4, is he's brought everything that was cool about The Last of Us and incorporated it into Uncharted. And some people I've seen complaining this week saying... Oh, the story's too dense. There's too much to it. I just want to shoot stuff. Well, if that's go what you want, Doom. go and play Doom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because Uncharted, what he's done is brought that intelligent story from The Last of Us. Because you have to. it was a really well-told story, wasn't it, The Last of Us? Like a movie. Yep. He's brought that to Uncharted. And while some people don't like that because that didn't used to exist in Uncharted, I think it's made Uncharted grow up. And it feels more like what an adult would play rather than a, a kid. Because the story is about relationships between people. And not, yes, it's also about Nathan Drake, treasure hunter, and he's going on this cool adventure. But that's not really the, the relationships between all the people in Uncharted is what this, this story is about. And it's the final Uncharted game, apparently. That's what they say. Because they're moving on to other things. But, um... I finished it, and like I say, I feel like it tied the perfect bow on Uncharted. If you go and play all four games in a row in the future, I feel like you see the whole arc of Nathan Drake. So um, Uncharted 4, it's on PS4, you can get it now. So Sid Talk, what is for dinner? Oh, also want to stress, Uncharted 4. It's Naughty Dog. I think they make awesome games, and this is no exception. It is like... the. Games like this don't come along that often. I didn't talk about it much because I don't want to spoil it, but definitely play it. It's like, to me, it's like GTAs, where they don't come along very often, but they're amazing. But a lot of people don't like those. No, but people really do, too. Like, Red Dead Redemption's another one that sticks out in my mind of being an amazing game that nobody should miss. And uh, Uncharted, Last of Us. You can count them on your hand, can't you? The best game, like the games that are right at the top of the tree, the ones that... If you like stories, you should definitely see mm. the. You know, Doom's not that game. <laughs> but I'd recommend that too. Because I like all kinds of different things. So, uh, Uncharted 4, go and play it. What's for dinner, Sidtop? For dinner tonight is, as we've been come to know it as, Jimmy John's. Yeah, because it is Spanguli night. <laughs> it is Spanguli. So I can just go get this What is Spanguli? Spanguli is a horror host who, on Saturday nights on MeTV, does his shtick. These guys make a bond in his horror room and introduces a movie that could be lost to time. It could be Abbott and Costello versus a Wolfman. It could be Tonight's, which is just a story about snakes. It's like a grindhouse movie from the 70s. Right. So it's just funny, but funny is subjective. Vaudeville almost. So, oh, yeah, like totally old school. Old school There's just he, something charming about the whole thing, though. And I thought you would hate it, and I used to watch, try to watch a little bit. As soon as you decided you wanted it, then we could skip over all our other TV that's on Saturday nights. That's how it works, right? As soon as I decide. Yeah, of course. Oh, whatever. So, that's what I'm for supper. And my advice... Can anybody see on Sanguli? You have to have in, me TV. In the country? No. just You have to have me TV. It's a network. Is that just Missouri, though? Missouri no. TV? It's not Missouri TV. It's memory TV. Okay. It is nationwide. Yeah. It's not just... Right, okay. So, me TV. But it doesn't mean it's nationwide like it's where you are. Like, my mother doesn't have it on her... Just on her... Cha um, Satellite. Cable. Cable. TV. No. So, you just gotta look for me TV. We actually watch it through the antenna. Yep. 
We don't have cable TV. We just watch it. So MeTV happens to be one of our digital high... Yeah, yeah, it's just on the antenna, on the rabbit Even ears. though the aspect ratio is not... It's not often wrong. <laughs> it's really <funny>. weird. <laughs> it actually chops off the sides. It's not like it squishes not, it. Nothing to do with the TV. It's or just chopped just off. It's so yeah. funny. And my advice is, um, you know, lately, I don't know why, but I've heard different people talk about when their parent or somebody's died that they just, they can't let go of their things. They can't. They can't imagine someone going through the things in the house. They can't do an auction or they can't do the sorting through the things. They don't want to go through the drawers and then they don't want anybody else to touch the stuff or take the stuff or because, well, that couch was grandma's favorite or that picture was, you know, dad's pride and joy. And while I totally advocate having a few items that simply remind you of a person who's gone, photographs, I'm is a totally different subject because a photograph you can have a thousand of them in a box you can have a million of them on a hard drive you know that's a different way of saving memories of a person but the stuff issue it's like don't attach your heart to a thing like well this is my mom's favorite mug so nobody ever better touch it and it it's so precious to me now i don't i'm not i don't know i'm not opposed to that well, but if you multiply that by someone's whole entire house full of things and you can't bring yourself to let it go, then what you're basically doing is devaluing that human being who existed. Like, would you trade the stuff for the person? No, you think you're substituting the stuff for the person, but you're not. All you need is one thing. I have my mom and dad's wedding rings. Mm-hmm. My mom's wedding rings. Literally, that's all you have. And they mean the world to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I've got them in a frame, like, with a picture of them. <coughs> I I would don't. never let them go. I would never sell them. I would never do it. True. Even if I was, like, I'd n- not one penny and I needed a penny, I wouldn't sell it. But what is the attachment? It it just means a lot to me. It's right. Just but why? Because it, it was th- their thing. It was a symbol of them. The love together. Right? You didn't have it for most of your life. No. You only got it because you found out your aunt saved them and wanted you to have them. So True. if you'd never had it... Then it wouldn't have meant anything to me because I wouldn't have had it. Right. But now you have it and it does. But if it were to get... If our house were to burn down, goodness forbid, it is still... You're, they're not gone from you. No. Just because that item is gone from you. That, every time you walk past it in the kitchen, it reminds you of them. That's a wonderful thing. I'm not arguing that. However, people are attached to the idea of the preciousness of someone's entire house full of stuff. And we're talking about drawers full of crap. We're talking about pieces of yarn and twisty ties from bread bags that somebody shoved in the drawer. And we're talking about because it's like, oh, well, Grandma loved her twisty ties. To me, kind of one thing is enough. Right. And what you're doing is you're... When you keep cluttering your mind with what you think is a something that symbolizes that person, what you're doing is every time you do that, you're forgetting the real person just a little bit. That if you sat in a room that was completely empty because every item of that person's has now disappeared, just poof, disappeared. Do you think your memories of that person also disappear? No. What you have to do then is really remember you have to really think about it. You have to remember in reality that person's voice, how they laughed, if you can. You have to remember and f- that forces you to hang on to them in a better way to me than you walk past a dish that's sitting on a shelf in your house that no one will ever use, that no one will ever touch. And if it ever got broke, you would lose your shit because it belonged to grandma. But all it is is a piece of glass. And you're letting it fill in the hole that you think that person being gone has left. But what what you really want is all the other stuff. So that's what you have to make. You have to make an effort, really. If I don't have the dish to remind me, then I have to make an effort to stop myself and really think about that person. Not just, oh, grandma's bowl. I loved grandma. Okay, on with my day. Well, that's sweet and everything. I, I've advocated. I've lost all my grandparents. You know, so I have little bits and pieces of them, some hidden away, some, you know, easy to see, but it still can't replace all the other stuff you should be thinking about, you know, of the person. 
Now, I can't, I don't know what it's like to lose a child. I wouldn't know what it's like to lose a spouse. I wouldn't know what it's like to lose a contemporary best friend. You know, somebody my age who's, you know, I'm very, 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 very in love with as a friend. None of that. I haven't had that, so I can't speak to that. But I'm talking about most of the time, an elderly or older person whose house full of stuff is now left empty. I mean, there's no person left. It's just stuff. Yeah. And you just don't want it. You don't want a rubbish sale and you don't want an auction. And you can't let other people look at it or touch it. And Grandma used to fold her towels that way, so I don't want to give anybody else those towels because Grandma used to fold them a specific way. Well, they're just towels. True. <laughs> you know, like, if you remember that about her, then fold your towels that way from now on. Like, if that's how, you, you know, that's... I d- I've just heard a lot of it lately. I don't know if it's my age and people are getting to where their grandparents and their parents are now sadly dying and now they're dealing with that part of their life, you know. But just pick and choose a couple of very precious items and make a huge effort to just remember the person, you know? All right. Not their stuff. Not their attachment to stuff. Good advice. Yeah, it's morbid, but it's what it is. So let me remind you about our websites uh, on a more happier note. (laughs) Ascoli.com and sitart.com. Yes, uh, you can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the Google Play Music Store if you're on Android or the iTunes Music Store if you're using Apple. You can also go to the RSS feed, ascully.com slash podcast. Subscribe with anything there or just listen to it straight from the page. You can email me at ascully at ascully.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She doesn't want her email address um, out there. But you could probably <laughs> guess it if you knew mine. <laughs> and... Uh, I want to say uh, stay classy movies with a true story like this because people should know about these true things that happen and movies are a good way of finding out about them and books my advice is think for yourself because if you don't do it someone will do it for you 